It's extra drama for book number 51, Against the Odds. Drama, drama, drama. <laughs> Very nice. Hi, Mary Parker. Hi, Gladiators. It's me, Marissa Flaxbart, your friend and host of this podcast. Extra Drama is a place where we can talk about all of the ways that this week's Sweet Valley High novel, last week's Sweet Valley High novel, made us feel about the past, the present, about these characters. Mm-hmm. Mary, how do you yes. feel about what was presented to us in Against the Odds? Oh my gosh. I feel that I'm even more frightened of teenagers than I was before, which is really saying something because they were never my favorite. Um, But any minute, any one of them, no matter how socially awkward or, you know, seemingly annoying, could in fact be on the hook for $2,000 to Big Al, which would be a problem. And I'd have to solve it with soccer. (laughs) That would be hard for you to have to solve it with soccer. You're no soccer boy. I'm no soccer boy. I'm not even a soccer lady. I'm, I'm, what's the opposite of soccer? Oh, this is a good question. Parcheesy, sure. (laughs) Parcheesy gal. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to play that either. Oh, well then it was not, (laughs) you got to pick something that you can do. Go fish. Okay. I can do go fish. (laughs) If it was all on the line in a game of go fish and I had to throw that game to save my, my frenemy Ronnie from Big Al, you know what? I'd do it because it's just a game. I think that's really beautiful. An interesting lesson you have taken away from this book. Um, I have a I have a guest that I want to come on a future episode of the show, and I said to him, "Hey, you're a money guy. Like you are an expert in the area of money. I should find a book that's about money and have you be the guest on that one." And then I read this book, and I was like, "Shit! <laughs> Whoops! I'm thrilled that Mary is reading this book with me, and this is going to be a great start to season six. But this is the most money book I can think of. You know, there's the class conflict. Well, I don't know though, because in the future, uh, go back and listen to the uh, original episode that we just did, guys. Um, but it, Jessica just got a job, and she might have a paycheck. There could be a story in the future. Yeah. That your money guy would be her- perfect That would for. be great. But it's just like... I would suspect that Jessica will get into money troubles. Oh, no. There's definitely going to be more money. But I was just like, this is a very... This book has deals with a lot of different money things that are themes of Sweet Valley High and then, and then some. Because we've had the thing before where kid gets himself into trouble. It's usually a boy, interestingly enough, um, <laughs> in these books. Uh, gets himself into trouble because his family is is poor or or poorer than he wants to be poor i don't know just like has less money than the rich kids in sweet valley relatable situation um i mm-hmm. mean depending on who you are but i'm you know most people aren't rich so there you go um <laughs> it's just that ronnie has less money than the other people in town his dad is a business mm-hmm. owner he runs it on like grocery his parents are divorced uh, you know he that's expensive yeah, yeah. So, you know, he just wishes that he has more. He complains about the Toyota that he drives. Like, at one point, (laughs) there's a moment when he's driving up to Bruce Patman's mansion where he's so excited that he finally has this red Mustang to drive because he always felt really shitty driving his Toyota up to that part of town where 
all everybody had like a Lamborghini or a Mercedes or something like that. And you know, this is another point in the in the book where I didn't have a lot of sympathy for Ronnie. Um, I in high school drove a, uh, I'd say it was fifteen, maybe fifteen, more than fifteen year old Nissan. That every time I turned, the CV joints would creak like a spooky door in a haunted house. <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, I drove. I survived. I drove a maroon Plymouth Voyager in high school. It was a, <laughs> that's a van. Uh, doesn't I don't think exists anymore. Well, it can't exist anymore because Plymouth doesn't exist anymore. But that's what I drove. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. I was so happy to have a car to drive. I was so happy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe the Sweet Valley is different, and every teen is issued a car on their 16th birthday. It is California. Yeah. And I even went to a school with a bunch of rich kids and I was the poor kid. And I was still so happy to have my two-door Nissan with a giant orange rust spot. And uh, it it came with bumper stickers for Nine Inch Nails (laughs) and New Hampshire Public Radio. Like I was living large. perfect. I know. It was great. You couldn't have picked them better yourself. (laughs) I appreciated that car until its last sad gasp yeah in order to drive my car to like in order to have the car to drive the which wasn't it was not my car it was the family car i had to get up at like six o'clock every morning to drop my dad off at the train station he took a commuter rail train to work Mm -hmm. and i had to stop whatever i was doing after school which was always something it was always play practice or show choir practice and go pick him up when the train came back. Of course. And I, that, that was the toll that I had to pay in order to be allowed to drive the van. And I was very willing to pay it and never even thought about having a nicer car. I mean, granted, I wasn't living in Sweet Valley. It's not that this <laughs> isn't like a relatable issue, I'm sure, for many kids. Just not for me. And it sounds like not for you either. No, I, there was a girl in my class uh, who I will remain nameless to protect the innocent. But her car got totaled. It wasn't actually her fault. And her parents bought her a replacement car that was a cherry red Mustang convertible from that year. Brand new with white leather interior. This was the level of kids that I went to school with. And I was still happy with my illegal rust bucket that wouldn't pass inspection if it was any state other than New Hampshire. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe the difference here isn't that we didn't grow up in Sweet Valley, Mary. It's Maybe it's just that we're not Ronnie's. Because, you know, there are lots of kids at Sweet Valley High that have clunkers. You know, the in fact, I well, I think of a Fiat Spider as like kind of a cool sounding car. It sounds like the book describes it as being not that exciting of a car, even though it is a red convertible. That's what the twins drive. Mm-hmm. Then we have I, I remember famously Todd Todd Wilkins. Todd Wilkins famously drove like a Datsun. You know, it was it was not a nice car. It was like there's lots of kids that a lot every car gets described in the series, right? So most of them are not fancy. And when somebody does have a sexy car, you know, the Rick Andovers of the world with their Trans Ams or whatever, it's like, oh, okay. look at that. Yeah. It's very um, sexy. I, I just Googled a 1980 red Fiat Spider. Um, and to be fair, for a convertible, it is extremely dorky looking. <laughs> so maybe they're onto something. Yeah. I mean, that's – so – that that's one thing that's going on with Ronnie, but the gambling was strange. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes thinking about these books, it's I think about whether the storyline would make sense 
in a modern book. And this is one thing where I don't think that the bookies and everything would make any more sense, but certainly like getting yourself into accidental money trouble is -hmm. something that could fly in a modern, you know, teen story that was realistic. Absolutely. I think the internet offers up like a lot of ways to get yourself into accidental money trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Going on all on and on, um, what do they call it? GameStop. Yeah. Mm hmm. Or whatever, you know, and then people, yeah, you can. You can get, I mean, there's supposed to be things in place, I guess, to prevent teenagers from doing that. But, you know, mm-hmm. you could lie. You could, I mean, your mom maybe could give you her credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of my rich asshole classmates uh, drove a BMW that he bought himself uh, from investments that he made with money his daddy gave him. So, yeah. Aww. Just a little Bruce Patton in the making. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him for making smart investments. Yeah, and in order to demonstrate how little he cared about this car, uh, one time when he was giving me a ride, he drove 80 in a 20-mile-per-hour zone. And uh, I never rode with him again. He gave you a ride? Mary! (laughs) Sorry, I'm taking the wrong lesson from the book. I mean, I'm taking the wrong lesson from the story. Uh, Yeah, this was not a person I was interested in, even in high school. (laughs) Well, that's smart of you to not be interested in the Bruce Batman, but it is still cool that you got a ride from him. Sure. <laughs> all thinking about all this made me think about the ways that, you know, teenagers, there are certain things that they're more protected from now, even though even though there's so many crazy, dangerous things that you could get involved in or just know about through mm-hmm. the internet, through, you know, all sorts of devious doings, but... I think it's it's easier for me to believe that in the 80s there could be this, like, teen gambling, like, ring on high school games that a 16-year-old could accidentally get in trouble with gangsters. This was before the internet. This was before social media. Kids had to fill up their time with something. (laughs) Right. And not even just kids. Anyone. Adults. Anyone. So maybe getting really into high school sports betting wasn't so crazy in the 80s as it seems nowadays when you can just watch 10 TikTok videos in a row. It'd be more entertained. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, what this represents is this kind of like borrowing from a cool like 80s kind of action crime movie plot and just implanting that into a Sweet Valley High novel because that'll be fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. So it has a little bit of that kind of fun, like, 80s, 90s feel of, you know, there being some kind of dumb danger. Yes. Speaking of which, and you can cut this out if you can't think of any good examples, have you come across (laughs) any Sweet Valley books that have reminded you of a movie so strongly that you think the writers watched that movie right before they wrote that book. Oh, I think that I have, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. I feel like I probably mentioned it during the course of whatever episode that is. Um, did this one remind you of a movie specifically? Or no, is it more it, we were talking about how this this particular book uses a lot of bookie and uh, gangster sort of movie cliches, especially from the 70s and 80s. And so I was just think, trying to think if there's any that I had thought of specific movies that this reminded me of. And I don't um, don't have a ton of 
seventies, eighties action movie gambling <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Well, so when it's I think probably more this, an amalgam of cliches than anything yeah. in particular. But I wonder if they were like they were watching, uh, you know, Bugsy or whatever, and it gave them the idea for this book. I don't think that movie came out later, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, this book makes me think of kind of like Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Charles car Bronson. chases and yeah, car chases and like dirty rooms and yeah. like. You know, in the movie version of this book, the 80s movie version of this book, you know, Ronnie seems scrawny, but then when his shirt gets ripped up by Max, you can see that he's got, like, bulging muscles. Yeah, although if this was an 80s action movie version of this, Ronnie would have had to meet Big Al in a seedy strip club so that the movie could have lots of boobs in it. (laughs) Right. How else are you going to get the boobs in there, Marissa? Yeah. You can't have them at the high school. That would be yeah. Wrong. Well, I mean, oh, wait, it no, it's the eighties. They totally would have had them at the high school too. <laughs> yeah, this just movie just, just put in central. a beach scene. <laughs> I mean, in Sweet Valley High, if you put in a beach scene, you automatically have bikinis galore, or even just like a poolside scene at sure. the back of the Wakefield House. Yeah, uh, but no, this is a very. I mean, maybe the reason why I'm thinking about all these action movies in this book is that this book is a little bit more. Um, I guess we'll say stereotypically masculine of a book than these are than these often are that there are more male characters mm-hmm. and they're dealing with sports and gambling i mean even the jewelry the story plot is like a, a business plot which no I, again i don't think that, subplot to this right. story now i just to be clear i don't think there's anything necessarily masculine about those things i that's i just mean sure, we're talking about cliches typical here. gender roles cliche gender roles yeah um you know, this book is a little bit of a boy book in that sense, which is is another yeah, refreshing. And, and in also way. in the sense that Elizabeth and Jessica don't really have much to do. I mean, Jessica's off making her earrings or whatever, but it's a very page wise, percentage wise, a very small story. Yeah. Mostly, you're focused way- on Jeffrey and his worries yeah. about um, Ronnie and his chemistry exam, which are given about equal weight in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we spend much more time in Jeffrey's head than really anybody else's. And mm-hmm. probably as much time in Ronnie's head as in um as in like Elizabeth's. And yeah. other than her big day saving that happens at the end, she serves as kind of like I mean she's kind of a nag yes. in this book. I mean she's not wrong. Deservedly like, so. She's yeah, no, absolutely. Is, I mean she's yeah. nagging to a good purpose, but yeah, that is yeah. her role. Um, so, okay, I'm going to totally change the subject. Just one thing that I'm thinking about that I feel like I want to hear your answer to this. Yes. What do you think these earrings Jessica's making look like? <laughs> I'm picturing very 80s. So they do, she mentions they're like, I think the first pair she wears is a pair of large black plastic earrings with, I think, some rhinestones on them. Somebody so makes imagine- a joke, like, are they earrings yeah. or are they Christmas ornaments? Yeah. Which is weird since I think she specifically says they're black plastic. You could look that up, I suppose. Um, But I picture them as sort of an abstract shape with rhinestones glued to them. That's what I'm picturing. (laughs) And maybe the the glue work is done very neatly and tidily, um, but they still, like, I I feel the other characters, when they say they're ugly, are justified. (laughs) 
<laughs> the feathered yeah. earrings don't sound quite so bad. Although, you know, in modern days, the whole feathered earrings thing is a very like Coachella girl aesthetic, which is a little bit weird in and of itself. But these are described as colorful feathers, like dyed. So I'm picturing like yeah. fuchsia feathers with beads, which do sound heinous, but also sound very age appropriate for high school kids. Yeah. And like heinous in a fun way. <laughs> Yes, like, exactly. I don't know. Sometimes ugly way. things are fun. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like high school is that if there are any high schoolers out there, this is the time where you can wear whatever the hell you want. You know, as long as your parents let you, I guess, and you can totally get away with it because at no other point in your life will that be acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's overselling yeah. it, but I seem to recall wearing some very uh, troublesome clothing <laughs> in high school. <laughs> like Not what? troublesome in like a in a you know. A, inappropriate way but just like you know ugly jewelry um colored jeans um band t-shirts that were too big for bands that were probably too violent to be shown in to go to school but no one ever bothered me about it so i guess it was okay just like you know bad bad stuff that would not you wouldn't want to wear nowadays um or else you'll be that that lady that looks like she's dressing like she's in high school in her 40s which i mean you know you, you know do what? you if you I, want. I, I but think it's fine. Just live your life. You'll get judgy looks. I try to avoid those. Eh, whatever. <laughs> it dress, depe- here's dress, the thing. It depends the on the way person. that your heart heart tells you to dress. That's it, what I say. It, it really does depend on the person. If you have the confidence to pull off Jessica's ugly earrings, then I say go for it, Jessica. There will be a market for it. There's a market for I almost just, everything. I just wish there was a little bit more specific description. Yeah. Of the earrings, because I would love to, like, recreate them. <laughs> yeah, and she talks about when she buys her $900 worth of <laughs> jewelry-making supplies. Um, she mentions that she bought – this guy talked her into buying some Ceylon sapphires. Um, yeah. Which are pretty expensive. And I'm like, how is she going to mount these? Because I don't think she has, like, a soldering gun <laughs> or yeah. any kind of metalworking <laughs> equipment. It sounds like um, that it she just mostly like, uses glue. <laughs> it feels like whoever wrote this book did some research into, like, jewelry-making ingredients, but not <laughs> uh, techniques. Yes. Yes, like, absolutely. These are, these are things she uses a lot of faux pearls and like faux onyx. Yeah, she and... talks about designing a necklace of faux pearls for the conservative set, and I'm like, you can buy a necklace of fake pearls, like literally anywhere, <laughs> Jessica. That is not a good use of your materials. Oh, um, Jessica, I really, you know, I want to give her credit for for her creativity and her business acumen. She shows a mm-hmm. lot more. Like it is really you know, a shame though, because this whole debacle with the credit card. And, you know, losing the endorsement of this store probably means that Jessica is going to give up on jewelry making when it sounds like she had some good ideas, um, but she's, you know, young and And just needs time. Like, it's so special that she is able to put her confidence, which is often like, you know, oversized and misplaced, but she's Mm -hmm. able to put it into like just going after the sales that she wants, you know, that's, I think can be the hardest thing when you're creating something. I know I feel this way as a creative person, whatever it is that I'm creating, I have a hard time like asking people to see how great it is, like selling it. You know, if if I were making, I don't know, 
let's say I were making jewelry. I can make jewelry. I, I it's yeah. very hard for me to imagine. Like I've made three pieces of jewelry and I'm going to go, I'm going to call every store in town and be like, I've got the next new thing. You've got to check it out. Yeah. I have to, I have to, I found the passage I was talking about where even Elizabeth admits that they're not that bad. So as the three girls walked towards them, Elizabeth looked at the earrings. She wasn't crazy about the design, but the small, brightly colored feathers did set off Kara's complexion nicely. So there you go. Perfect. Looks good on Kara. Even Elizabeth, who hates these earrings. It admits that they look nice on this one girl who's wearing a pair of Wakefield originals. <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you, gladiators. If you wear things with confidence, they'll look good on you, even if they're objectively ugly. Um, <laughs> it's so true, like I, though. <laughs> yeah. Further pieces of advice we can think of from this book. Um, how about the thing I said at the end of last week? Don't bet mm-hmm. money on high school soccer games, especially not with known bad guys. Yeah, don't don't borrow expensive cars uh from people with nicknames like Big Al. And since more of our listeners are probably moms or mom age than teenagers, I don't know for sure. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and add in don't just hand your reckless 16-year-old your credit card. Absolutely. And uh, if you do give your 16-year-old your credit card, which you know, may, people need credit cards for things, probably mm-hmm. she should get her own, but whatever, to help her establish her credit if you are re- she's responsible with it um or ruin her credit, I guess, if she's not responsible <laughs> with it, which maybe is a bad idea. I don't know. I don't I'm not a parent of anybody, let alone a teenager. But um, if she does run up a big charge on the credit card, maybe advise her to pay more than the minimum if she can afford it mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that it doesn't become a you know heavy weight. See, this is what I'm saying. It's a money book. It's a money book. I should have gotten <laughs> yeah. my money guy. But no, you should have had the money guy. But also, <laughs> it's ironic that this whole credit card debacle blew up in their faces because I do think Jessica is actually – a prime person to get a credit card to be given a credit card by her parents with an extremely low spending limit. Like, I don't know how low you can go on a credit card, but let's say two or $300 and let her go hog wild. Cause that's the only way she's going to learn. You can tell her yeah. till you're blue in the face about money and math and blah, blah, blah. Give her a credit card, let her run up debt and then make her figure out a way out of it. That's the way to make Jessica yeah. learn at low stakes. Yes. So I like that we have gone into giving very specific parenting advice just to Ned and Alice Wakefield regarding their youngest child. Look, if you're raising a Jessica, sometimes you need to let them crash and burn in a controlled environment and and then let them deal with the consequences. (laughs) What? Yeah. Advice. If if you're raising a Jessica, that's I can write a book. Um, from my what from my do, memory, if you're of raising high school, there Jessica. are plenty of Jessicas out there, and presumably someone's raising them. Let's hope so, and, and more <laughs> power to or, or God Godspeed to all you Jessica parents out there. Absolutely. Um, and with that, I think we can probably close up this excellent and exciting and varied episode of Extra Drama. Mary, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, welcome back to Sweet Valley Diaries, everybody. I hope you're excited for the season ahead. And again, please do uh, tell everyone you know about this podcast so <laughs> that our listenership can grow and grow and we can take over the world and teach everybody about why 
the 80s are great and also things that are not so great about the past. <laughs> I don't know about that. Is that a lesson of this podcast? I think it might be. Yeah. If, right. if the lesson of your season is uh, ways in which the 80s were both good and bad, I think that listeners will will be curious Excellent. about what could have possibly been good about the 80s. <laughs> it's a deal. Hear that, gladiators? All right. Now, so tune in next week for what's next. Mary, do you want to tease the listeners for what's going to happen in book 52? All right, gladiators, just a a warning that this is really going to be coming out of left field for you. So not much of a tease, (laughs) but a little hint at what's coming next. What's come over John Pfeiffer? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 52, White Lies. If you want to know what's come over John Pfeiffer, you're going to have to tune in next week. He can't be worse than Ronnie. John Pfeiffer? No, I think John Pfeiffer <laughs> might just save the day in this one. Yep. <laughs> will Elizabeth oh. and Jessica be involved? Only time will tell. And depending on when this episode comes out, everybody get vaccinated. Yay. Yay. I forgot to ask you if you had anything you wanted to plug. I'm sorry. Do you want to plug things? Yeah, I want to plug um, getting the COVID vaccine at your earliest convenience. Uh, still wearing masks and washing your hands and staying apart from people until we understand the variants. And when you do get the vaccine, please sign up for VSAFE from the CDC. It's VSAFE, V-S-A-F-E dot C-D-C dot gov. And tell them about any symptoms you have. Um, they'll check in with you every day so that they can keep track of the vaccines and what they do to people and how they feel afterwards. And uh, with that, because that data is extremely valuable. Does that link only apply to American listeners or is there I some I believe it value? does because it's, it's okay. the CDC. So if you are not in America, it is likely that your local, um, you know, federal or, you know, state uh, health authority has something similar because they're trying to gather as much inf- information as they can about the side effects right after the vaccine. And then, of course, whether or not you end up getting covid those um those data points are going to do us well in the future uh, to see how well these vaccines do in the real world. Thank you very much. I approve of this message <laughs> from my my science knowing friend Mary Parker. <laughs> I know I know of science. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're knowing about science is kind of your job, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's more or less. Yeah. Finding out about science and reporting. Yes, finding about out about science. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mary. And thank you, gladiators. Uh, tune in next week to find out what the heck's going on with this John Pfeiffer guy. Yeah, what's his deal? Bye. Oh my gosh. Todd Elizabeth Todd? Yeah. I don't I don't remember his last name. This is Todd. Elizabeth Todd. Todd Wilkins. Oh my god. I'm literally I'm definitely deleting that. (laughs) That's embarrassing. My favorite man. Okay. Todd he's he's a little cancelled, but whatever.